Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. A reset of the prophetic movement is upon us. The second wave of prophets is rising in this hour. We stand at the edge of a new era in the prophetic. We're gathering the international prophetic community at the Global Prophetic Center, a hub for prophetic training, prophetic labs, summits, networks, and lighthouses. It's time for prophets to go deeper. It's time for seers to soar. It's time for prophetic voices to rise up and decree what says the Spirit of God with accuracy that causes the world to pay attention. The Global Prophetic Center offers proven prophetic systems and structures to equip you to walk worthy of your calling and to prophesy with precision, boldness, diplomacy, and wisdom. Get hands-on training and mentoring in a safe environment that breeds true prophetic community and learning. Receive impartation and activation. Sharpen your gift and avoid prophetic pitfalls. Get commissioned. Get networked. Get sent out with the word of the Lord in your mouth and the confidence to release it. Begin your journey today by applying at globalpropheticcenter.com. Jennifer LeClaire here. You can see in the spirit. I want to invite you to take the Seer Activation Challenge. 30 days to clearer spiritual sight. I'm going to be on board doing Seer Activations with you, guiding you through biblical entryways and much, much more. You can opt to take the Seer Activation Challenge at tinyurl.com slash seeractivation tinyurl.com slash seer activation. You can also opt to get these three books, Seer Dimensions. You can get Power Seers. This just came out. Keys to upgrading your prophetic vision. And you can get Seer Activations with 101 Seer Activations and a whole lot more teaching. I want to challenge you to see what you've never seen before. God wants you to be able to see in the spirit. Open your eyes to the Seer Dimensions in Jesus' name. God bless you. My name is Alexander Pagani, lead pastor of Amazing Church, located here in the South Bronx, New York City, a.k.a. He is Risen Tabernacle. Been serving as lead pastor for 17 years. I want to talk to you about false accusation. Let me first say this. What if that church movement, tribe or whatever you call it, denomination, what if they aren't a cult? Uh, And it's just one big misunderstanding of differences of views, differences of administration. What if they're not a wolf? You know, W-O-L-F, wolf. What if that's just the way that they are? You know, the reason why I'm saying this is this. You know, I'm, I'm from the old school, late 90s, got saved early 90s, got been in ministry. I've been in ministry since 1995. It was a different set of rules back then. One of the things that we learned immediately 
was the definition of a cult, C-U-L-T, the prerequisite for being a cult, the premise was false doctrine on the deity of Christ and the infallibility of the word of God. Nothing more, nothing less. Let me say that again. What I was taught in Bible school and throughout the years was the, uh, the premise for which someone is called a cult and a wolf in sheep's clothing was not predicated upon how they administered the church, the expression of their character of how they are as a person, even those, even though those um, are included to some degree, but they were not the determining factor. What was determined to be a cult or a wolf was, what do you say about the Bible? What do you say about the deity of the person of Jesus? Um, is Jesus God manifested in the flesh? Is the Bible the infallible word of the living God penned by the holy apostles and prophets? What was your view on the preeminence of Christ, the, the virgin, the immaculate conception, which means the virgin birth of Jesus. Um, now watch this, watch this. You could even get away with not understanding that Jesus was God in the flesh, but if you held to the tenant that he was the son of God that died on the cross, was buried, three days later he resurrected from the dead, you were not even considered a cult yet because the premise for salvation was not Jesus is God. It was, what do you believe about the, redemp the redemptive efficacy of Christ's work on the cross? What do you believe about the death, burial, and resurrection? That is the centralized message of the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection. So, so when someone was called a cult and a wolf, it, it was not based on the expression of preaching style, um, how they administered and carried out their church. Those things labeled you error, not false. Let me say that again. Those things labeled you, like the way you ran your church, an unhealthy, inordinate view of the people having towards their pastor. You was not considered a cult. You were considered in error. There's a difference between being a, called a cult and being in error. There's a big difference. And what I'm seeing is, and guess what? I'm gonna throw myself in there because a couple of years ago, I did the same thing. I myself, and the videos are on Facebook. And what's crazy is, many, first of all, let me say this. Many of you are using my videos unauthorized. I know that many of you use my videos to go at your former pastor. And the thing about it is, I know many of your former pastors, they're not cult leaders. They're in error. Big difference. Big difference. So, so understanding the deity of Christ, meaning Son of God, when we say deity of Christ, we were referring to uh, Orthodox Christian doctrine. It was not Jesus' God manifested in the flesh. You had to have been saved a long time to catch that revelation. And even after the order of Melchizedek, which is a whole nother revelation. But the premise 
for which you were considered Orthodox Christian concerning the deity of Christ was not on his godhood, it was in his sonship. Do you believe he's the son of God? So, so doctrine, doctrine was the basis by which we in 1995 called someone a cult. Whether church members call their pastor dad, that does not make them a cult. Because if a young man never had a father, and a young man never had a mother, and the pastors of that house loved on that young man, young woman, or even older man and older woman, and there was a, a relationship of covenant that's there, and they never had a father figure in that capacity, I can easily see how a young man would call their pastor, hey pops, like what's wrong with that? You mean to tell me a pastor can't love on a member like a son? You mean to tell me that we can't love members of our church like children? I'm not sitting here saying your pastor is not a cult and your church is not a, a den of witches. It might be, it might be. But here's what I'm saying is, what is your requirements to verify that they are a cult? Because before an accusation is made, it is not based on, I saw them. I saw the way they act. No, 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 no. We see a lot of things. Before an accusation is made, there has to be laws established to tell you these eight things are what is established as the rule of thumb to determine if someone is a cult or false. Let me ask you, what are the rules to determine that someone is a cult? Tell me if you know. You don't, you don't know. You think control is a cult. Let me tell you something, man. In this house, this is my home. I control this here. Let my kids run around talking about I'm a Jezebel. This is my house. I'm gonna control this, what goes on in this house. I am regulating my house to protect it from whatever. And, and they're gonna call me. I'm just giving an example, guys. I'm not saying that that's what happened. But if this is my home, baby, I'll run this here. I'll run this. And if you bring something in my house and I go, don't bring that in my house. I don't want that in my, like, let me give you an example. In my house now, I don't believe in secular music, period. None of my son, now I'm not saying they don't listen to secular music, everybody listens to secular music. Don't bring that filth in my house. In this house, we don't play secular music, period. At no form. I don't care what nobody say, call me religious, this is my house. Don't bring that filth in my house. I don't care if it's neutral jazz and, and that instrumental foolishness. This is my house. Don't bring that in my house. Now, if that's the rule of my house here, how is it that I get labeled a Jezebel because I'm controlling the atmosphere of my house? Wait a second, wait a second. Oh, my dad, he's a Jezebel because he don't let none of us listen to music. It's my house. Don't bring that in my house. If your pastor, and according to his view, 
we don't do that here, how is it he's a Jezebel? How is it he's a Jezebel? I don't allow secular music in my church. You can't be in my house rapping the worldly beats, spitting Christian lyrics. I don't want that spirit in my house. How am I, Jezebel? How am I a Jezebel hindering a calling or a ministry? Baby, this is my house. Oh, but pastor, what if you wrong? Then I'm wrong. God ain't gonna send me to hell because I don't allow something in my house. Now, what does this gotta do with false accusation? Everything, everything. Look, before the accusation is presented, what are the rules established to determine that's a cult? Meaning like, if you was to say Jesus was just a prophet, baby, you have violated one of the rules. You are a cult. Do you see it? There's a rule that's established there. Oh, the Bible was written by man. You are a cult. Why? Because we have established that the Bible is the infallible word of the living God. Hell doesn't exist. You are a cult. Why? Because we believe Orthodox Christian doctrine that hell is not just a state of mind, which I do believe that as well, because hell can be a state of mind, but hell is a real place. You are a cult. I don't believe the devil exists. Ah, that does not make you a cult. That doesn't affect the Christian faith. That does not make you a cult. But if you don't believe in hell, which means eternal punishment, you are a cult. Do you see what I'm saying? If you don't believe Jesus is coming back, you are a cult. If you believe pre-trib, post-trib, present-trib, or preterism, that does not make you a cult. It does not. But if you believe he's never coming back after he left, whether he came back already, through the person of the Holy Spirit, but if you believe that he never came back, that makes you a cult. Why? Because the rules are established. I don't believe in angels exist. That does not make you a cult. I don't believe in the afterlife. That makes you a cult. I don't believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. That makes you a cult. Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes unto the Father but by me. Everybody can get to God, but not everybody can get to heaven. Do you see what I'm saying? You gotta get to heaven through Jesus. I believe in God. The devil believes in God. But to get to heaven, you can only go through Christ, Jesus, and the blood that was shed on the cross and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and thou shalt be saved. Everything that I'm teaching you is an example based on doctrine. Let me give you an example. I don't believe in apostles and prophets. Doesn't make you a cult. I don't believe apostles ever existed. That makes you a cult. 
There's a lot of accusation going on online. You know, I've done it. I'm going to throw myself under the bus. You can't shoot me if I shoot myself in the foot. I called a lot of people warlock in the past. Let's ask the question. You know, what are the laws established, established by the Ecclesia that if these set tenants are violated, someone is false and a, a warlock? What are those rules? Because they don't believe a spiritual father? That makes them a false? Do you see what I'm saying? I'm trying to figure out. You know, when in my time, in the, in the mid-90s, we didn't just call someone a cult and a warlock and a and, and false. There had to be evidence of teaching false doctrine. It was not just the way they ran the church. And it wasn't because they were sleeping around. Because I know people, and we all know people, some pastors that do sleep around, but they preach real doctrine. Except that their lifestyle doesn't match up to the doctrine. The question I have, and you can share your thoughts. <laughs> look at this, look at this. Is this, is what if calling them a wolf is nothing more that that's just the way God made them? What if that's just the way that they are? What if micromanaging, what if you thought was control and Jezebel was nothing more than a pastor being overprotective and micromanaging, but you called him a Jezebel because they control everything. What if the issue is micromanaging or over? Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. My kids, I have a 26 year old and I have a 17 year old. Listen to me, I have never let them go to people's houses if I wasn't there. Never let it happen. If they go to hang out in someone's house, I usually went to go hang out with the parents while they were playing with their friends and they had to play in view, I had to see. I had to be able, from the kitchen or the living room, be able to see and every now and then I was like, uh, Xavier, you all right? Oh, I'm, I'm all right, Dad. Is that a Jezebel? Or is it that I'm just overprotective? That sounds like being overprotective. And every time my son would ask me, Dad, can I sleep over? I'd say no. I'd be like, nope, not staying over. I never, I never allowed my son to stay over. Do you see what I'm saying? Does that make me a Jezebel? Because I'm controlling him? Or is it good parenting? Let me tell you something. Do you know what these young boys do when they sleep over in each other's houses? They look at pornography. I didn't let my kid, no, 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 no. I do deliverance. I hear the stories. When did it start? Oh, at a sleepover. I never let my kids sleep over. You wanna know why? Because little boys start looking at pornography on their phone and then they, the whole night they wild it out. They start having homosexual experiences. They start taking drugs. They get touched, they get raped. My son, my kids never sleep over somebody's house ever. Not having it. Even when my friends would ask me, let them sleep over, I'd be like, no, they're not sleeping over. I never allowed it. I never allowed it to this day. You know, now my kids are older and they're good. They came out all right. Is it micromanaging and overprotectiveness? Probably, because my wife tells me, my wife used to tell me, man, Alex, man, like, 
you're way overprotective, man. Like, let, let, let him breathe, you know? And I used to be like, uh, no, I'm not. That's my son. Nope. I'm not going to be dealing with some demon that got in his life. Nope, nope, nope. Even though it was a joke in the house, my wife used to be like, man, let him breathe. My God, let him off the plantation. I used to be like, uh, no. Not sleeping over each other's houses. Not having that. Am I a Jezebel for that? Oh, but you deprived your son from developing relationships. Who said that sleepovers are the determining factor to develop relationships? What if my son decided to say, my dad is a Jezebel. And my God, my house is a cult because I can't do nothing here. I can't do nothing. And my kids said, my kids used to say that, not the Jezebel part. Man, I can't do nothing here. Now the substitute of going over to people's houses, I gave my children anything they wanted. Literally. I made sure my kids always had to this day a fresh pair of Jordans. I bought them all the game consoles. I got them their own iPhones. I treat my I splurge on my kids. They're older now, but they never lack. I made sure they always have fresh haircuts. You see what I'm saying? Like, they never wanted to leave the house. Like, man, I'm good. I, I can stay here and, you know, play games. Why? Because if I was going to deprive them from something, I had to substitute it with something else. So my kids have gotten everything they ever wanted. I, I, I actually would ask them, what, would you, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, I want PS4. And I would go with my son and go buy it. And said, what games you want? I want this game. And then I... But here's the thing, when he picked the games, I said, let me see these games. I go, nope, not this one, nope, not this one, nope, not this one, you can take this one and this one. I better not see you wilding out on this one. Okay, you can have that one. I don't really like this one, but I'm gonna let this one, I'm gonna let this one slide. This other one, not trying to hear that. You're not getting this game. I'll give you these five, and that third one, if I see something funny on it, I, don't, I already don't like it. You know, I'm a Jezebel. I'm a Jezebel because of, See? Okay, 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 okay. Listen, 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 listen. So your pastor tells you you need to sit down. Your pastor says you're not ready. Your pastor is taking forever to launch you. Your pastor doesn't flow like your favorite Periscope, YouTube, Facebook preachers. So now this place is dead and dry. I'm seeing good pastors who might be a little bit on the micromanaging side, who might be overprotective or just doesn't know how to, and then we just put them in the category of, huh, he's, he's controlling because that's Jezebel. He's controlling. Okay, he might be, she might be. What made you say that? Oh, because they're always controlling people. They're the pastor. They're supposed to control. They're supposed to control the morale of the house. What you mean? Like, they're the pastor. <laughs> they're supposed to watch and guard the flock. What you mean? Like, what you mean? Like, they're hovering over me. They're your pastor. They're supposed to be hovering over you, making sure you good. I'm not talking about this. Okay, let's say they are the Jezebel. What are the rules? Okay, your pastor's a wolf. So-and-so's a wolf because they were nasty to you. They're a wolf. Most pastors are so sick and tired of being sick and tired of having sheep in their face. 
they gonna be they gonna be moody. They're gonna be most pastors are moody. Like because your pastor got nippy with you the last three to four months there, Jezebel. Gotta be careful. I had a dream. I had a dream that my pastor was a snake. Alright, I get it. What are the rules established for you to make that accusation? Tell me if you know. What are they? Because they broadcast their services every Sunday online. We're hearing the doctrine. Had they been false, somebody would have called them out. You don't believe so? Look at how the body of Christ is, is treating Carlton Pearson. And I'm not name dropping. I'm just using him as an example. You know, the gospel of inclusion got the whole body of Christ wilding out, calling him false. If your pastor was false and they broadcast their teachings, why hasn't nobody called them false based on their teaching? What makes them a wolf before you accused? Baby, you can't accuse without evidence. Evidence because your pastor's mean? Most pastors are mean, man. Those of you that came from religious churches, I came from religious churches, and those pastors were mean as heck. But they were men of God. Don't sit here and those of you that came out of religious churches, I come out of religious, man, we had some mean pastors. These mean pastors were men of prayer, fasting, even though they had the stankiest attitude. But these men were putting in work, loving Jesus, just was mean as heck. Mothers of the church was mean as heck. But them women used to pray. They prayed more than us. 2019 Christians, everything was prayer. What? They were going to church in snowstorms. You know, talking about pastor, it's service castle today. It's a blizzard. Pastor will look at you and be like, man, get the heck out of here. Get your butt to church. Now, flurries. If it's flurries, I can't make it. <laughs> I can't make it. Now, I'm not saying they aren't wolf pastors. Now, I'm making you laugh. And I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm poking fun at certain things because this stuff is funny. But in 2019, it's not funny because I'm seeing good pastors being labeled wolves, warlocks, and Jezebel. You know, I got good pastors who preach solid doctrine being labeled warlocks. And in 2019, you get labeled a warlock, there's an exodus. I'm not defending any pastor and I'm not saying that the church you came out of is not a Jezebel and your former leader is not a wolf I'm not saying that there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing okay but here's here's what I am asking you what are the rules if you don't have any it's a false accusation let me tell you something when you say Someone's a wolf You are actually saying That they preach and teach Away from orthodox Christian doctrine That's a heavy act You're basically saying They are not saved When you say that church is a cult well, You're saying That Jesus is in love and that the Bible is in love. When you make 
an accusation without evidence, you are Satan, the accuser of the brethren. Baby, where is the evidence? If there's an accusation without doctrinal evidence, you are Satan. You are being used by Satan, the accuser of the brethren. Baby, when you accuse somebody, you have to say, I've been doing a thorough assessment the last five years since I've been in this church, and these are the five or six things that they teach that I have studied in scripture and I have found are not in the Bible and according to sound doctrine, they are false. Everything else is not cult. It is error. If there is an over-exaggeration on some pastor, it means they are in error. And you can be saved and be in error. But you are not saved if you are a cult. Let me say it again. You are still saved and are saved even when you are in error. But you are not born again if you are in false doctrine. Error is salvationable. False doctrine is condemnable or damnation or damnable heresy. So when you say, I ran out of there because it was a cult, what you're saying is the pastor, the church, the brethren that stick around are not saved. You're going to go that far to say they're not saved? Okay, they're not saved. All right, I'll give it to you. By what premise do you make that accusation? By what premise do you make an accusation? Your, what is your evidence? Oh, you don't have none? I don't have none, I just feel it. Some of you need to say sorry. You've, you've, we've condemned some folk that are not, they're not cults. They're in error. Now I'm not defending anybody. You can call me out. The day I ever preach false doctrine. The day I ever preach false doctrine, you better call me out. Say Pagani, you are a false teacher. Okay, by what premise do you say that? Oh. Oh, okay. Okay, ask me about what I think about the deity of Christ and the infallibility of the Word of God and Orthodox Christian doctrine. Come on, let's go there. Let's go there. I believe in heaven and hell. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe in the advent of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the second coming of Christ. I could play. I could play around with pre-trib, post-trib, present-trib, preterism. That I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't even care about that stuff. I just want to be right when Jesus come, whether He came already or when I die. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like let's go there. I believe. I believe in a personal devil. I believe in personal angels. I believe in. I believe in the afterlife. I believe in the gifts of the spirit. I believe in the apostles are for today. I believe in speaking in tongues is for today. Now, if you don't believe speaking in tongues is today, that does not make you false doctrine. That. I believe the Bible is from Genesis to Revelation, but I also believe that there are other books of the Bible. The book of Enoch was included in the original 1611 King James Bible. It was excluded by the Council of Nicaea. 
I get it. There are books that are, have been removed. The book of Jasher, the book of Ido, the book of Ahijah, the book of Enoch. I get it. What we have is the established canon. It wasn't the only canon. There are more books out there. But baby, I could go there. Do you see what I'm saying? But right now, I'm resting on 66 books of the Bible. But I know that there are more. May the Lord's favor, grace, and blessing be upon all of you in Jesus. Jesus' mighty name. To my pastors, good pastors, whether you're my friend or not, that's being labeled a wolf and a Jezebel. Listen to me, pastor. You know you're not. You know you're not a wolf. You might have issues in character and some of the other stuff I mentioned, but you're not a wolf. Listen to me, man or woman of God. God will vindicate you. God will vindicate you. Turn the other cheek. Love the Lord. And if you have to defend yourself in some stuff, defend yourself. But I would tell you this. Heaven will vindicate you. Heaven will vindicate you. I promise you he will vindicate you and expose those who have falsely accused you. All right? And for the rest of you, get your act together and get your rules together before you accuse someone. I'm out of here. I'm gone. You have gifts. God expects you to use them. If you need training to school your gift, log on to schoolofthespirit.tv. You'll find training in spiritual warfare, prophetic ministry, prayer, seer's ministry, writing, and so much more. Go to schoolofthespirit.tv today. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.